Welcome back, Rage Nation. Got myself Pete here. That's yeah. not really exciting. You got Senior Dixon. I don't think that's appropriate. And you got Monsieur Leopard. Explorers deserved it. No. Absolutely. I was disgusted. I cannot believe they've done this. Why is wacky? Why is that good? It's just nonsense. I disagree on that. That's not possible. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. We're on a mission. Yeah. Now, now we've got a whole new list of things to complain about. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. Got myself here and got that man. I tell you what, getting some of these uh, New Zealanders, definitely the time zone crunch is always fascinating. But, uh, and uh, forgive me, I think it's, is your first name Liam, yes, I think, right? All right. Well, I know Dixon in the last Outcast episode, yeah, John, he was calling you as a hool the whole time. So I'm not sure which one you're on. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I don't trust. Um, okay. I will note, however, that I am Australian, not New Zealand. <laughs> Early in the morning. Right. I don't know why I thought New Zealand. I don't know why I thought There's New Zealand. There's a lot of Kiwis buzzing around in the discords right now. It's pretty so do you, uh, and I'll, I'll ask you this, because I know with Guild Ball, the New Zealanders would travel to Australia a lot for events. Do you guys get a lot of that or no? Uh, no, I, well, partly because, at least in my part of the country, the um, Malifaux sort of started in a big way during the pandemic. So, uh, okay. yeah, so they literally couldn't. <laughs> yes, uh, so we haven't yet geared up to the point where we're gotcha. crossing the Tasman Sea for games yet, but hopefully. Yeah, because I know when they uh, they would have the... Like a big Australian national tournament, uh, the New Zealanders would come over, and I think actually the last like two years of Guild Ball, uh, a Kiwi won the the national, so that always made the Australians a little ticked off. <laughs> I can see something very similar <laughs> happening with um, Malifaux. They've got some pretty good players. So yeah, we got you back on because we're going to continue on with the Outcast train. Uh, you were talking up Parker a lot. Uh, when you guys got to that in the Outcast episode. And I know that there's a lot of people that are very curious about, especially how you run the Parker 2 um, with, uh, what's the actual title called? It's like uh, Dead, Man Dead Man. Yeah, there it is. So I know a lot of people were curious about that. So we're going to focus in on that. And we're also going to talk a little bit about GG3 because that just dropped and uh, a lot of people have a lot of ideas about it. So we're going to kind of give some initial thoughts and how Parker kind of relates into um, the new strats and schemes that we see out there. Before we get into it, though, make sure that you guys are checking us out on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we have the Discord going, which uh, on certain days I have to mute it because it's just popping off so much. And yeah, definitely fun. You can check us out on YouTube as well. Uh, should have some new videos going up here soon. And then finally, if you want to support us directly, you can do that at, at patreon.com slash ragequitwire. You can support us for as little as a dollar. And we appreciate any kind of support. It's always good to put content out and glad that uh, at least some of the community tends to uh, intake the podcast. That's always good. We did have GG3 uh, kind of drop, which is cool because this time, I think these are all, I think all four of these are new strategies. I'm not super old in the Malifaux, but I haven't seen these four yet. So I think they're all brand new. Uh, yeah, all brand new for the third edition. I think the blog post mentioned something about some of them being reworks of second edition strats, but that that's before my time. So, yeah, I think Carve the Path 
is a rework of some kind of like supply train mission that there was that they said didn't work super great. So yeah, I think, I think they're pretty interesting and I think they actually have, I think they're more interesting than probably most of the strategies I've played since, uh, G or since, um, third, uh, third edition Malifaux has started. So I'm actually more interested in these than pretty much any other pool of strats I've seen so far. Yeah, I'm I'm finding the uh, the strategies in particular are interesting in terms of just um, the different approaches they require. Mm -hmm. So it feels a lot different from the previous gaining grounds, that's for sure. Yeah, and we're going to do an episode on these, so we won't go super detailed into them. But I will say just the ones that kind of have my interest are yeah, Carve the Path, I think, are very interesting or is very interesting because I think that cheap models that kind of have a leap or cheap models that can go fast um, will be really good for kind of pushing that rock on curve the path or carve the path, I should say. And then the other one that was interesting to me was guard the stash. I don't know if you've played that one yet, but man, that one was interesting when we played it. Uh, yes. Yeah. I played guard the stash was the first one I played. It's fascinating. Honestly, the um, different positioning requirements as it piles up on you. Yeah, and you mean you can't you can't score for the ones on your table half, so it, it really forces the engagement, which I think makes it really interesting. And then you got to have uh, models that matter, and you want a lot of them, but you want survivable ones. So there's a lot of strategy that goes into that one. And it feels like um, like when you win a fight around a strategy marker and you sort of lock it down, but in order to continue scoring it for the rest of the game you have to leave a model behind to babysit it. Yeah. So you're sort of spreading yourself thinner and thinner and thinner, hoping that you can just sort of uh, continue to win these individual brawls over each marker with fewer and fewer resources each time. It's it's interesting play, play pattern. I think it's like, um, like one of the things that stood out to me when I first played it was that guns are really useful because they can babysit a marker and continue to... Um, uh impact the rest of the game even while they're focused like locking them down for scoring but like you said to you can't score the ones on your table half so you have to be putting your guns on the center line before yeah. they can actually contribute like that yeah it puts them in a little more dangerous of a spot for sure yeah it's, it, it, it's really cool strategy i enjoy it a lot well and also the strategy like like guard the stash and some of the other ones actually has me and this is one of the things we're going to talk about with parker is it really has me reevaluating which masters I'm looking at bringing because, for example, I brought Zip, but actually in Guard the Stash, I brought Zip 2 because Zip 2 has a little more uh, positioning at range. Uh, I mean, he has that full speed ahead, which is 10 inches and ignores line of sight and concealment. So not only can you push your models, which is great, but you can also try to push people away from the objective. So it really has you kind of rethinking which ones are worth bringing as far as titles and crews. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, both guard the stash and uh, covert operations sort of have that uh, corrupted ley lines feel where those um, that late turn pushing things around is just super valuable for both scoring and denying. Yeah, and I like the um, covert operations. I like how you can pick new models each turn and then you can, depending on how the turn goes if you have one model that or if you have all three that you can claim put the claim token onto the objective it, it's just it's a cool kind of bluff game that you can play and it's also good strategy because 
for example, I think I had Earl and I had the first mate were the two that I had available. And definitely I know everybody goes after Earl. So I was like, okay, well, glad the first mate's mobile and I can go ahead and put a claim token out. So you can use things as bait like Earl because everybody wants to kill Earl for some reason. Yeah, um, in cases like that as well, you can try and make sure um, the first point you score is with the, the model that you know they're going to try and kill. If you just yeah. make it to the end of turn two, which can't be a high requirement. Well, I don't know how much zip you play, but I, I mean, people try to kill Earl turn one if they can. So you, <laughs> I've yeah. had that experience, yeah. <laughs> I think that people just get so angry the first time they see him just score a bunch of points that they just headhunt for him because they're like, he just needs to die. And I don't think they're incorrect at all to do that. Hey, listen, <laughs> if you're a new player and you play either with or against Zip, Earl can score. I mean, I I think there's some games where I've had him score like four points for me. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, in, in some ways he feels makes Zip feel to me a bit like um, Tara 1 in that Zip, if Zip's carrying Earl around or something, it starts to feel like that same level of uh, 5 AP scoring master with massive movement and with um the eight inch flight it it can be pretty unstoppable until zip you know catches a sideways glance from someone <laughs> so what i'm not going to talk about a lot of the schemes but one of the schemes i'm most excited about is secret meetup because i just envision in my head maris with her you know dixie duke or you know her just short shorts just her going and kidnapping a model and meeting up next to a piece of terrain just has me all sorts of excited. Yeah, I, I've taken a secret meetup at like every available opportunity, honestly. It's really fun um, scheme, and it's a lot easier to score than I think some people are uh, giving it credit for. It depends on the table layout, uh, but sometimes yeah. you get like a, a nice, big, somewhat central piece of terrain that you just know uh, and... and you can just pick any model in your opposing crew that you know is probably going to end up in that vicinity. And yeah. it's, um, sometimes you don't even need the kidnap option. You just need to sort of walk in towards the end of the turn and get up a skin yeah. marker and be like, hey, we're here. Well, that's why I always like Maris, because I can just envision Maris just grabbing a random model and trying to take it behind the shed and make out with it. Yeah. <laughs> she's, a, she's a handsy gal. I, um, I take your word for that one. Yep. Hey, and she's a, I'm not going to say a good looker, but she's a looker. Um, but <laughs> I think the only other one, and we kind of mentioned it before we started recording a little bit that I thought was also, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's kind of the same vein that we've seen with a lot of some of the killie pools, but cursed objects. Um, yeah, that one's just kind of like bring your elite stuff and try to kill if, I mean, if in my head, that's just the way I envision it. Yeah, uh, it, it's a lot. A lot of these strategies feel um, a little rather different from the strategies from previous gaining grounds. But for me, cursed objects has just felt like a redo of reckoning or uh, uh, recover evidence. There's a there's a little like tweak to it with the ability to sort of almost turn your own models insignificant with an interact action, but. Um, you know, your opponent can always pass the tokens back on their turn if they want, and uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. It, it, it's pretty much just a bloodbath. <laughs> yeah, and it does have some control, which is good because you gotta you gotta have model like unless you just table wipe, just kill everything on the board. You need to kill something essentially a turn, so you do have to have some self control with how much you're killing, I guess. 
Yeah, um, and there's the... I think summoners are interesting on it. I, you have to be careful about what you're summoning. But if you yeah. can summon tanky models, um, then I think Cursed Objects is... Uh, the, the fact that your models come in with tokens on them isn't particularly punishing. And summons can otherwise fully interact with this strategy. You can score points by getting kills with them. You can uh, interact to remove their tokens, just not on the turn they're summoned. So yeah. I, th I think there's if it, 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 there's the right kind of summoner is sort of continues to be able to play on that strategy at full strength. So you're saying I shouldn't play Hamlin into cursed objects? Oh no no, actually Hamlin's amazing <laughs> because his summons are is insignificant, he? which means they don't gain tokens oh, yeah, when they, they get summoned, and then they combine into a significant model that can uh, score. But since it's a replace, they don't get the token on Correct. them. Yeah. Uh, the the okay. only time a problem comes up is when uh, Rat King summons a Rat Catcher because the Rat Catcher will come in with a token. But um, no, I actually think Hamlin's got quite a lot of game on cursed objects. <laughs> okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about the rats being like puny and insignificant. Yeah. No. But you would definitely want to stay away from a keyword that had cheap summons like that that were significant. Yeah. Asami would probably not be my pick for this strategy. If you're, um... Well, especially since your stuff just blows up on its own. Yeah, a lot yeah of exactly. <laughs> Sandeep too, for similar reasons. So he can he can go down a tanky summon route if he wants to, but uh, it does cut off his options for, um, uh, you know, poison gammon bombing people and that kind of fun stuff. All right, and then before we get into uh, Parker. Are there any schemes that you think are interesting or any schemes where you're like, oh, this is kind of a cool one? Uh, well, we went over Secret Meetup, which is probably my favorite yep. that I've played out of the pack. There's some interesting stuff. In Your Face feels very much like just uh, the first point is very um, automatic if you're playing like a melee beat stick master that it will just sort of happen. Mm -hmm. But uh, the end point, I think, is cat has... has caught a couple of opponents off guard because it can actually be you don't really think about it too much when you're hiring and picking the scheme um at least you know not yet i'm sure people will get used to it but having sometimes you end up with realizing that the highest cost model in your crew is not actually t a terribly appropriate choice to try and get into the opposing <laughs> it's not super mobile no. public demonstration is really quite interesting um oh, sorry no not public demonstration that's the um set a trap set the trap that's the one i'm thinking of where there's like a it's a variable scheme marker requirement like you can score it by playing wide if your opponent's playing wide or if they bunch or bubble up it becomes trivially easy to score yeah i i really quite like set the trap i i think it's um very well flexible. and set the i was gonna say set the trap is actually the one where I started looking at a lot of these strats and schemes and looking at set the trap, I was like, man, you're starting to see some real, real, I guess, different options that you can bring with like, I, that's why I, when I was looking at this new strats and schemes, I was like, man, Parker actually looks pretty good in GG3. I don't know if you have that initial kind of interpretation when you were thinking about Parker with these new strats and schemes. Yeah, well, we'll we'll get into the, the into it in more detail, but um, Parker, particularly the Parker two, I find very flexible. Um, he he can sort of score whatever I set out to score with him. Um, as a mm -hmm. rule, I 
can't think if there's ever really been a pool where I looked at it and thought that Parker 2 couldn't play it. And anything with a ski marker mentioned somewhere in it, he's immediately just rocketing towards the uh, top of my, you know, good pick. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I definitely like a lot of these, so I'm excited to kind of see how people start to use some of their different models and different tricks to kind of score score their points. And as I kind of keep playing them, I keep finding little tricks. Uh, the one that I I took that did not work is i ended up taking uh, what was it i think i took loaded them up when i was playing von schill and i was like i guess i can put mines out but then chris dropped uh, what did he drop he dropped something that would have moved me through my own like traps and i'm like okay this was a bad idea <laughs> yeah yeah no i think load them up is um i like it a lot more than research mission it's a lot more challenging but it's challenging yeah. to the point where there are a lot of crews that sort of flat out can't do it or have to play in a, quite a suboptimal way to actually actually do it. Yeah, because, I mean, six or more markers on the on the opposite table half. It, it, like, if you think of, like, landmines for Von Schill or if you think of, like, um, what would be another one? Probably, like, if I was playing Zip 2, Earl only drops a piano a turn, so you can't do it then. Even with zip one, I'm discarding cards to, you know, put pianos down. So it's doable, but six is a lot, especially on the opposing half. Yeah, but then you have people like Titania who deploy and have done Oh, it. sure. <laughs> yeah, or you have like Sonya too, who just puts pyre markers out. Or um, Parker, who puts out enough yeah. ski markers for it to be very viable. <laughs> Obviously, Parker won is always a model that i think people are very well i don't know if very familiar is kind of the the right wording for it but he's he's good i mean people have just from what i hear with outcast players that play parker one it's just like you know he's going to just put out a lot of consistent maybe not consistent is the right word but he's going to put out just a lot of damage throughout the turn it's going to be kind of it's not super spiky damage but sometimes you hit the high end depending on what you flip you're flipping a lot of cards with parker one is what i i get a lot of times from people yeah um so parker one i'm still a little uh salty about because he, i used to love uh putting wanted criminal on him because mm -hmm. it would turn him into a kind of a resource engine uh, the old version of wanted criminal had uh bounty uh what's it called protection money i think it was draw a card anytime an enemy ski marker is dropped within six and uh yeah. you would just sort of go fishing for tomes on his melee attack which would drop a scheme marker whether the action succeeded or failed and you'd get a card draw off that and then you'd get either a card draw or a soul stone off his bonus action at the end of his activation and so um he was very good for just uh I, f I sort of thought of him like the outcast version of uh, Molly and that he's, he's sort of just a resource engine for the rest of your crew. And uh, you can, but since the wanted criminal change, he is considerably less effective in that particular role. So you have to play him looking a bit more towards the beating be beat stick and, you know, using bandit raid for extra mad dog attacks and that kind of like side of it. He's got he's yeah. got a decent kit still. I just miss the old. I'm gonna redraw draw an entirely new hand in the course of one activation <laughs> play. Yeah, and Parker is one of those masters that I never really got good with. Um, 
because I never felt like I ever got cashing out a lot. I never felt like I was doing a ton of damage with his turn. I guess, like, I just never felt like I was doing, like, the big scheme thing with him that everybody, like, talks about. So I was just, I've never been too attracted to him just because I'm like, the all the range attack is cool because you have run and gun, but also it's not super splashy because it's not usually doing, like, a lot of top end damage. So, I don't know, Parker's always been a weird keyword for me. Yeah, it. I mean, so Bandit at just kind of a top level, um, for those who aren't familiar with it, is a keyword that I would say um, leans very heavily towards quantity of actions over quality of actions. Yeah. So ba basically every model on the keyword, keyword has um, run and gun for um, allowing them to shoot when they take char the charge actions, charge actions instead of melee attacks, which mm. um, means that you sort of, you often feel like you have an extra action more than you normally would um, in terms of just being able to get where you need to go and do what you want to do. And then uh, most of the keyword has uh, the life crime action so they can uh, ability so they can pick up a nearby scheme marker when they start their activation to gain fast. So now you feel like you have a keyword where nearly every model has four AP, <laughs> yeah. provided you can get the scheme markers in place for them. Um, and Parker one continues that trend because he's got their draw their the draw their attention um, ability on the front of his card where if he damages something on his activation he can ditch a card so that uh, so that a friendly model with line of sight to him can immediately take the interact action. Um, so sometimes that's useful for setting up your life of crime. Sometimes it's useful for scoring, and it's just a continuous um it's just leaning ever more into that we have a lot of actions to play with but the flip side largely being that there are often not very high quality actions there's lots of stat five across the crew yeah. um very very little stat six and lots of the models in the crew lean very heavily towards the squishy end of the spectrum so yeah and that's kind of some of the issues I have with the crew, I think, is like I kind of get engaged or I get up the board and then I'm getting shot off the board or I'm getting, you know, I think people always try to engage Parker's crew early because they want to be like, stop shooting me from like long range and they want to try to kill them. And a lot of times that happens. And you're right. A lot of the keyword pretty squishy models. <laughs> yeah, I find that um, both Parker one and Parker two share that the fact that they probably need to play the role of primary tank for their crew. Parker, Parker one's not like no slouch at it. He's not going any real defensive rules, but he's 14 hit points, defense six, willpower six, and he can just sort of sit in combat with someone and mine soul stones out of them to continue to be able to um, reduce the damage that he's taking. So yeah, it's, pre it's pretty important to be able to figure out where the threats are coming from and to see if you can just sort of shove a Parker in their face for the time being. Yeah, I mean, he's got good defensive stats. I mean, he's defense and willpower six, so that's always that's always good. And he's got, he, for some reason, Parker has 14 hitboxes. Parker won, I mean. Yes, yeah. It's um, straight up on par with the Euripides. <laughs> it's, uh... With Parker one, even, we'll get into Parker two because I think that's where a lot of the interesting conversation will be, but... With Parker 1, I don't know. Do you just always bring, like, an emissary just to drop schemes and heal your crew when you need it? Uh, yes. I, I think this holds true for Bandit, generally, is the emissary just brings 
a lot that you need specifically in Bandit. There's the bonus action to create a scheme marker for your crew. There's the um, that and notably the that weary road bonus action is also invaluable for getting particular certain key models, mostly Mad Dog, out of melee mm-hmm. because most of the yeah everybody locks Mad Dog down. Yeah, most most of the crew has Gunfighter and is okay being in melee. Mad Dog is your biggest hitter and ab- that emphatically does not want to be engaged. So the the emissary is pretty important for keeping him. And I think you made a really good point when you were talking with Dixon on the outcast, just kind of overall talk a couple of weeks, you know, last week. Um, I thought it was interesting that you were saying the emissary is fantastic, but you want to make sure it's hitting multiple roles for your keyword. You don't want to just bring it for one thing because it is 10 soul stones. Yes. So um, luckily bandit is a keyword or that does use all the different components of the emissary to pretty good effect. Like, um, because they have so many actions, they get like an increasingly cumulative benefit from that plus one speed aura for activating near it. There's um, models that love Weary Road for the, the scheme mark is incredibly useful. The three inch push is invaluable for a couple of models, um, as we mentioned. And the healing is basically ban- healing is Bandit's main defensive tech. There's yeah. not. Nothing making any of the models in the crew particularly squishy, but as we'll get into in a bit, there's a lot of healing going on, and the it's it's the main thing keeping them upright past you know mid turn two, and uh, the the emissary's a significant part of that. Yeah, and I think turn one and two specifically when you're giving your crew the extra plus one movement, you're setting up two models to get fast for the first two turns. Um, I think those are all pretty critical for getting your crew just off and running. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just kind of, I mean, I know it depends on the pool, but are there some models that obviously it's like, yeah, if I'm playing Parker 1, I I like seeing these models on the table. Obviously, we just talked about the Emissary, but was there anything else you like bringing with Parker 1? Yeah, um, I actually quite like Barbaros with Parker 1. The the new Barbaros? Yes, uh, I, I mean, even the old one, but the new one is even better. Uh, I love him. Because, as mentioned, Parker often ends up having to play the role of tank for his squishy, squishy crew, and Barbaros mm-hmm. can take a bit of the heat off him. And Barbaros is very, very effective if you're, um, again, bringing that constantly replenishing cache that uh, Parker 1's pretty good at uh, providing him with. Outside of that, should I mention Mad Dog? Are we after <laughs> <laughs> uh, that part of the conversation? So, <laughs> so I think... So if you're not an Outcast player and you maybe haven't played against Outcast a lot, why? Because I, I don't know if you're one of these people. I'm not. A lot of people love bringing Mad Dog out of keyword just because of what he does. So you just kind of want to explain why people love Mad Dog so much. Yeah. Uh, so I'm with you. I don't tend to bring him out of keyword with any real frequency. Um, for me, he's he's good. He's very very good, but he has very clear. Uh, weaknesses and mm-hmm. experienced players very quickly understand how to how to deal with him. But yep. for those who aren't experienced, the main thing that you get out of Mad Dog is he's got run and gun. He's got life of crime, so he's able to going to be fast. He's going to be fast. He's going to have so he's going to be taking three three shots at you with a min three gun that uh, has a 
blast on at every single stage and a built-in trigger to trade the blast for um, armor piercing. Armor piercing. So he basically just kills whatever you sort of point him in the direction of. The shotgun also has a suit, has all the suits, so you're never getting not a trigger. I've also found the burst damage to get the extra blast can be pretty dirty and do a lot of crews because, I mean, when he, when Mad Dog spikes, it gets pretty gross. Oh yeah, and he's also and he's also bringing you like random little bits of tech. Like there's the anti armor. There's uh, his bonus action is blow it to hell, so he removes yep. cover and destroys destructible markers with a uh, by placing a marker of his own, which means that he's very useful at scoring certain schemes that require, like, he he made bandit actually quite good at scoring research mission because uh the blown apart marker is a marker that can't be removed that you could always drop yep. near the central strategy marker or something but yeah the, re- the rest of mad dog's kit is a bit less impressive he's got a melee attack it mostly exists to get him out of melee and it's range zero yeah. so it's um not super effective yeah because usually I, I wish it wasn't rage zero because I mean, people are like, I'm going to engage him and be an inch away. It's like, well, now I got to like move to engage. Either that, at that point, it's almost like just disengage, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, I will note the bonus action, because it gives two points of, sorry, not the bonus action, the melee attack, the burning cigar where he jabs his cigar into your eyeball. Um, because it gives two points of injured, does a damage and does a burning because it has a built-in trigger to do a damage yeah. and then push the opponent away. It, it's not far off his gun in terms of like doing damage burning one and one damage is a far sight from min three don't get me wrong but it's it's still two damage if the burning comes into play and uh and the injured two is huge that like i said there's a lot of stat five in bandit and sometimes that injured two pays off uh long term in a way that a, just one more min three attack doesn't but yeah, I could see that. I could see like Mad Dog's kind of stuck in. Let's go ahead and you know put some injured so they have it. Hopefully, the rest of the turn, and then let's go ahead and disengage and take a shot or something. It, it, it for me, it's usually a case where um, so so the, the the weaknesses of Mad Dog is that he's like most Bandit models. He's doesn't really have anything to speak of in terms of defensive rules. He's got hard to kill. But other than that, he's 10 stones, so he gets you 10 hit points, and he's defense 6, and he's hard to kill. And he's a henchman, so he can spend stones, which is a decent amount. He's not trivial to kill, but amongst 10 stone henchmen, he's probably the third squishiest in the game. I think Bayou has a couple of ones that are even squishier than him, but that's kind of it. The, um, The... and as mentioned, he hates to be uh, engaged in melee, and he's quite easy to engage in melee. And then the third thing he hates having to do is shoot at any kind of negative. He has a um, yeah. a grit effect, so if your opponent gets him below half health, you get a positive. But my experience, it doesn't really come into play too much, and it's not usually relevant when you want it to be relevant. So sometimes he's in a situation where everything he wants to shoot is engaged in melee, or there's just a lot of concealment in play or he's up against something with serene countenance. Uh, At least with the, um, what he wants to shoot is in melee problem that actually makes charging him into melee to go for his cigar attack reasonably attractive because you can push the enemy back out of melee, gives them some injured, do a little bit of chip damage and then 
go back to blasting. But, <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's Mad Dog. Yeah, I'd say the only other thing that I've noticed is kind of it kind of puts him in bad situations sometimes. Is his shotgun only being eight inches? There's some shotguns in the game now that are ten, and those are better because. When you get eight inches away from people, that usually means you're getting in the danger zone. Yes, yeah. Like I said, I agree with you. I don't think Mad Dog is a always higher out of keyword sort of model. He's good. He's just got those very clear weaknesses, and you you and your opponent are going to spend a lot of the game sort of playing playing around them. I want to kind of just get your... I, I know we talked about this a little bit, but I definitely want to hear kind of the evolution of when you first saw dead man walking the card, your initial interpretations and how you got to this point, because I think we can credit either you or your meta for coming up with this just play style of dead man walking and everybody being, at least in the outcast community, everybody being so intrigued about how this actually works. So you want to kind of just walk us through like your initial kind of you were kind of down and kind of pissed off about it to the point where it's like holy crap this actually does stuff like so the we've gone over a little bit of the backstory already which is that i was already very like someone who played parker a lot uh mm -hmm. and then got very annoyed when they changed the wanted criminal because that seriously messed with the way i actually used him so when the titles were announced i was quite interested to see if um the new title was going to get me playing parker again because i i do love my bandits and yeah then he came out and my initial reaction was not great and then it got worse because on an initial reading parker barrows dead man walking doesn't look super impressive uh like i think i mentioned this on the previous podcast and there's a pretty lengthy for forum post somewhere that mm -hmm. sort of breaks down my my journey but yeah uh, <laughs> but like you're looking at his card and he's got a stat five min two gun which is not exactly screaming master worthy on its own it's got you know it, it's got some neat stuff it ignores hard to kill it has a trigger which is not built in to uh get two positives to the damage flip and it's got a severe of six so you can sort of see a scenario where sometimes you get lucky and nuke a model off the table yeah, I feel like a lot of people were like, that was the focus point of the card. They were kind of like, oh, well, this is, there's cool points of this, but man, it's kind of hard to really get it singing. And I think that was part of the thing that had a lot of people disappointed. Yeah. Uh, and then you're going through the rest of his card and you're sort of not seeing how any of this is worth a master taking into yeah. action. Like the Broken Man's Lasso seems cool. It moves, uh, moves a model four inches, gives them staggered, maybe drops the scheme marker next to them. He's got Chaos in the Badlands, which is bizarrely limited as an action. It does give you marker removal, but it mostly lets you... You're just sort of pushing a marker around and giving a whole one point of injured to a model touched by the marker, which again is feeling a little bit... like It's not bad, but it's feeling not like something you would spend a master's action doing. Yeah, and can you explain stare down? Because like as somebody who is brand new to Parker and just it, it seemed like a really I didn't even know what it did when I read it. I was like, what does this even do? Yeah, so this is when my reaction got worse. So I was originally like puzzled and a little bit put off because I wasn't exactly seeing what he was meant to do. But at least on the yeah. front of his card, he's got Perdition, which is this cool 10 inch aura where 
when a scheme marker is dropped within 10 inches of him, uh, enemy, all enemy models within a 2-inch pulse of that drop marker suffer 1 damage. It's once per activation, there's no way to resist it, and that is neat, because a lot of the bandit keyword, I think every model in the bandit keyword, except the newest one, Pearl, has the uh, drop it trigger, which you can see on Parker 2's card. It's um, a tome trigger, the, it's enemy only, and the target has to place a enemy scheme mark in base contact with itself in line of sight of the model declaring the trigger. So what stare down does is it makes that trigger after resolving, so you no longer need to succeed in the duel. You can just sort of uh, cheat in any low tones to um, be able to get the scheme marker in place. Mm -hmm. Or in the case of Parker 2, who has the trigger built in, you just need to declare you're doing the action, and then you just sort of don't have to care if the action succeeds or fails. You can flip the black joker and be like, oh, still got my scheme marker. That was the So the original reaction is like, I guess he's meant to use stare down on a target. And then now they can't avoid the scheme markers dropping, and you start being able to ping that model down by just throwing tome, like weak tomes into the duel in order to get scheme markers for extra perdition. But then problems kick in, because perdition is a aura effect, which means yeah. Parker needs to be able to see the scheme marker that's being dropped, which is fine on his turn, but because the yeah. enemy can drop the placement of the marker dropped by drop it, it means that they can always place the marker on the far side of themselves. Yeah, where Parker the, can't see it. Yeah, as long as Parker can't see it, as long as the model who declared the trigger can see it. So that um, that was a bummer because every because yeah. stare down doesn't do that much else. The other, the only other good thing it has to recommend it for itself um, is uh, the fact that it's stat seven, so it often just works with a mass trigger, which again not built in which lets you take another projectile attack. So you might get to shoot that stat 5 uh, min 2 gun again, which, yeah, not not ideal. But yeah. at least that's the that was the end of the nadir, I guess, of this, of this journey with Parker. <laughs> because after realizing that, despite the fact that his card, it, I, like, it feels like weird with playtesters or something didn't pick up on that fact that the aura meant that perdition wasn't going to go off because i can't see why stare down his uh, exists as a bonus action other than to enable perdition but hey um when i so we realize i realized that perdition doesn't work with drop it and um got very salty <laughs> and um, yeah and looking at this was so i guess how much time did it take to figure out and was it you or was it somebody in your meta that was like hey you know you can start doing this to make it work a little better like how did you get to that point where you actually put something on the table to try and make it work um it was a little while it was me the the, the his person that who was sitting down trying to figure so out so you you were just determined you're like i don't care i gotta get this working <laughs> yeah well like i said i i do like bandit and i had hadn't played them in a bit since the um they changed wanted criminal and i was looking for a, a way to play them and sure. it sort of just i was i was just sort of uh looking at what a list composition would be to see ways to make that perdition aura work because it doesn't require the scheme marker to be dropped by the drop it trigger it's any time a scheme marker is dropped within 10 inches of him 
And mm -hmm. uh, Bandit's got a few ways of doing that. For example, the emissary that we've mentioned as basically being an auto-include in uh, the Bandit keyword has um, a bonus action with no flip required that drops a scheme marker base-to-base -base with a model after pushing it three inches. And now that marker is doing pulse damage, which can't yep. be resisted. So um, that's good. The new model added to the keyword, uh, Pearl Bar uh, not Pearl Barrows. I always refer to her as Pearl Barrows because she's actually Parker's sister. Pearl yeah. Musgrove is the official mo <laughs> name of the model. She's got a bonus action. She needs a five, I think, for it to go off. It drops a scheme marker down within uh, three inches of her. Yep. And then, yeah, you get another another pulse of damage off that without needing to worry about uh, an opposed duel or getting the drop it trigger. Yeah, so you're like, okay, I got two models. Yep, yep. Um, Mad Dog, of course, was going to get hired because he's uh, the crew's primary beat stick. And he's got Fistful of Scrip. So when he kills a model, he drops a scheme marker into base contact with the killed model. So bad dog's job is to kill models that's not going to happen every turn or as freely and easily as pearl or the uh emissary but it'll happen and so now we're at three models and also quite a lot of pot stones spent because two yeah, of I these models are like 20 <laughs> yeah like 26 27 stones so far yeah but it was the next bit that like where that really it really all kicked off because I, I love um, Benny. I talked about him a lot on the uh, the Outcast podcast. And Benny and the Rats. Yeah. And it, it had always been like a pet project of mine getting Benny to function in a bandit crew because he is bandit keyword. He's He is, really randomly. <laughs> very strangely, yes. The problem was that while the bandit keyword makes quite a few scheme markers, they eat them pretty quickly as well, uh, particularly yep. um, Parker 1 the way I would play him would often try to be up tanking in the middle of the combat and hoovering up all of those scheme markers that mm -hmm. the crew was dropping. But Parker 2 has no such use for scheme markers. He, like, he He's very good at making the opponent load up the board with enemy scheme markers, and then he kind of just doesn't remove them. In yeah, it doesn't do much with <laughs> yeah. them. He's got an ability on the front of his card called Abandon All Hope, where at the end of his activation, he basically turns an enemy scheme marker into a friendly one. But it's only one of the markers, and there's still a marker on the table. And yep. looking at this crew that I've hired, I've only hired one Life of Crime model, so I'm not picking them up for to make my models fast either. Yeah. So, Benny seemed interesting in order to have a use for all those scheme markers. Uh, because now I can turn them all into rats and uh, maybe do something interesting with that. But he also has uh, on the front of his card, Loyal to the Very End, where when a rat dies within four inches of him, he can ditch a card um, after drawing the card from the rat's demise ability and uh, drop a friendly or enemy scheme marker base to base with it. So now I've got uh, another way of dropping scheme markers for that's also very flexible. Like it can, it's not just like in Benny's activation. It could be happening. Sometimes it happens in enemy activations when they kill rats. Sometimes uh, you heavy air quotes accidentally blow a rat off the table with blast damage <laughs> from Mad Dog. <laughs> yeah. Benny's another good source of those uh, scheme markers that you don't need to get uh, declare get fire the drop it trigger. 
because of his ability to um, turn scheme markers into rats, and then the rats back into scheme markers as the rats die. And um, yeah, that's 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 sort of the they end up uh, being the core uh, four model models that I found sort of work together with um, to really make Parker tick. Uh, there's quite a lot of small efficiencies in there that uh, we'll um, hopefully dig into in better detail. Yeah, so with that core of models, I mean, roughly how many uh, how many schemes are you usually seeing on the table being dropped per turn then with those kind of core models? Uh, it's quite variable. Um, so the, the two guaranteed ones every turn are Pearl and the Emissary. I mean, Pearl's... Mm -hmm technically not guaranteed but um, more likely than not you're going to get that five that's at minimum that's enough to give life of crime to mad dog and benny so that they can be fast and that's a mm -hmm. big part of what i think really makes this core um really flexible because like the, the i focus a lot on what benny does in the crew because what benny does can be extremely dramatic um sometimes you get games where benny gets eight rats out onto the table and then um if because he's because these scheme markers are all being dropped uh basically on top of enemy models when benny gets to summon a large number of rats it's not like in hamlin where those are being summoned basically back in your deployment zone and now you have to get them up the table and make them relevant to the actual um, game instead in this this sort of uh, crew where you're able to be a lot more flexible in terms of where you drop the scheme markers and um, a lot of the effects that drop scheme markers like you you are still going for the drop it trigger from on Parker himself for example to drop scheme markers base to base with enemy models mad dogs dropping scheme markers when he kills enemy models and you're always looking to drop your scheme markers within two inches of enemy models mm -hmm. because of uh perdition um all of that means that when benny summons the rats they're summoned right on top of the enemy and benny's bonus action for swarm them then gets to suddenly do these really big damage spikes uh sometimes benny just one shots a high cost model off the table because you have eight rats now in the area after the scheme mark has sort of accumulated and yeah and there's no cap to it there's no cap to it it's uh people people talk a lot about bleeding disease not having a cap to it but uh swarm them swarm them can get pretty spicy in the right right situation but yeah what's the uh what's the max number of rats is it 12 you can have on the table it is 12 yes so theor theoretically 13 <laughs> damage i think the most i've ever done with it is nine but well, you know, just a casual nine <laughs> bonus action damage. Exactly. Um, so, like, that that's sort of the uh, a headlining feature of this sort of composition, but it's by no means the core strategy, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's, like, a nice thing your, uh, your, one of your cost eight models can do if the situation presents itself. But... Well, I do think it's better. Like, I think it's just good to have that where you're like, oh, I can do four damage. Oh, that model only has four, you know, hit points left. Let's go ahead and take that off the table. Yeah, exactly. But the other thing that this crew has, um, like, just uh, the other thing Benny's just really good for is he has life of crime, so he can be fast on demand. And mm -hmm. um, he's a stone user, so he's not like he's a bandit model. He's not super tanky, but he's 
tankier than most of the other bandit models by virtue of being able to use stones and just having a uh, soul stone user who can be fast on demand and can run off and do schemes really helps the crew just adapt to changing state game states on the table and figure out how um how best to score on any given turn so yeah and he is pretty flexible because i mean his melee has the drop it trigger which is always good um he does have a range eight gun that i mean it, it doesn't seem great but it has decent stats and has a couple cool triggers so i mean that's not nothing yeah and, and if it's backing up a decent damage swarm them and you need very few rats to swarm them to suddenly start being decent like two rats and now it's a three damage bonus action that's pretty good value to begin with yeah. um and half the, and because he spawns rats every time he takes damage sometimes you're getting those rats into position for free your you're not having to work around your own scheme markers or do any kind of setup your opponent has just sort of had to take gone in and taken some swings on benny and now benny activates and he's doing three or four damage with his bonus action it's um I think the last thing, and we kind of alluded to it, but I think people that don't play Benny as much uh, just don't know what it's called. But the ability to remove the scheme markers is the Loyal Rats with Tiny Hats, which is one of my favorite named abilities in the game, or actions in the game, I should say. And basically any scheme marker within four just gets turned into a rat. Yes, should have headlined with that. It is delightful. Um, it's probably my favorite thing to do in Malifaux, just period. I love putting rats on the table. And, and I will say, Liam, this is the... So Benny's always been a model that I have tried to work. I suck at Hamlin, but I love the idea of him just creating rats and then the rats go do things the next turn. So when you told me about, you know, Parker 2 and you're like, you know, I think Benny might work... I, unpopular opinion, Benny might work better in Parker 2. <laughs> Yeah, it's certainly more dynamic in Parker 2. In par like, like I said, in Hamlin, you tend to build this like cluster of models who exist only to drop scheme markers for Benny, and then Benny turns them into rats, and then you use a rat catcher or something to ferry them up to the front lines, and then Hamlin makes use of them. Here, it's much more direct and self-sufficient. It's I was going to say, it feels more organic. Yeah, like by virtue of playing the game, you are creating scheme markers with all of these models that you hired to create scheme markers for Pedition. And uh, then at some point, Benny looks at this pile of scheme markers that's accumulating and goes, okay, I can do something with this. And he gets to put the rats down right in the middle of the combat where they're immediately relevant before any of them can be killed. He's already been able to capitalize on them with a good swarm action. And then as they start dying, he turns them back into scheme markers, doing more petition damage. And you draw cards. And I'm drawing cards. And then there's... Um, and then we start getting into the synergies with the other models. Like one of the really big ones is uh, Pearl Musgrove, who has um, an amazing aura reformed after a marker within six inches is removed. One friendly bandit or frontier model within three inches of the removed marker heals one. So now when Benny does this really big rat summon, he can heal any of these models bar the emissary uh, one point per marker that he removes with his rat summon. So if you remove three or four markers, he's healing three or four models. Um, one point. Distributed. Yeah, and you can you can choose the same model, right? So yeah. it's not like limited. You can. So um, yeah, I, 
uh, I've seen Benny health yo-yo like crazy. Like he, he's gone down to like on the cusp of death just to rock it back to full health. It, it's it's very flexible. And if he doesn't need healing and Parker happens to be nearby, you could throw some hit points on Parker or on Mad Dog. It's uh, Reformed is hugely flexible in terms of how it works. And Benny is... Um, the best out of this group of models for capitalizing on it since he's the only one who really removes scheme markers on mass um, but even the other models like mad dog when he activates he picks up a mark with life of crime heals a health then he's say does blow it to hell and the first part of blow it to hell is to remove any existing blow, blow blown apart marker um and Reformed doesn't care what kind of marker it is that gets removed. So when your blown apart marker gets removed, a model within three inches of it heals. And then the blown apart marker goes down. And if it destroys any destructible markers your opponent might have brought, there's more healing. So you, this, this is where the crew's staying power comes from. Because I, I, I mentioned it earlier, the, the crew doesn't really have anything that makes them tanky, but they do bring a lot of healing. And between the Emissary, Pearl and uh doc mitchell in a pitch pinch the um parker's totem you've got a lot of options to just uh every every activation you're going to be healing some health somewhere yeah and i think that uh it it just so i've noticed like and we talked about parker one being a little squishy the ability to just have reformed up as an ability during activations you can just kind of heal here and there just points here and there and then when you need that big splashy heal you know you got the emissary to be like all right well let's go ahead and heal you you know three or four points just to get you in a comfortable spot yeah it's just very useful it means that sometimes like if in the early game uh your opponent gets like a lucky red joker damage shot off on mad dog you don't even feel particularly like you need to stone that damage like he might have popped six damage to the face yeah um but he's going to be act when he activates he'll activate next to the emissary and heal one then he'll pick up a nearby scheme marker and heal one so now he's already back to six hit points and uh and then you have to blow it to hell so he'll heal another one yeah and you've got well, and he's going to heal the one when another model activates and removes a scheme marker for whatever yep. reason. Like that Abandon All Hope ac ability on, pa on Parker 2, which um, turns an enemy scheme marker into a friendly one. What it does is it drops a scheme marker base to base with an enemy scheme marker and then removes the enemy one, which means that you removed a marker. So you're going to get a point of healing on, on Mad Dog then when that happens because all you need to do is uh have pearl put out her marker and then turn it into an enemy marker on parker's activation there's so much like free chip healing that uh like early early attacks are sort of pretty inconsequential um even if they happen to get like lucky and spike really high so long as so long as nothing dies and yeah that's that's the the main thing the crew tends to be uh worried about is just being spiked down because they can put up with just about anything else looking at this we got kind of this you know cool kind of healing slash rat slash scheme and schema engines down how is parker converting parker two converting this into wins like what are you scoring what is parker really good at because that's all fun but i could definitely see myself getting lost in that and then being like oh i also have to score points yeah, so first of all, we've got 
15 stones left over at the end of hiring this core. So I usually spend the remainder on um, usually an eight stone model, depending on what I, I'm in the mood for. If I need a dedicated schema, then uh, something like the Midnight Stalker fills in the slot very well. There's the in keyword, there's the convict gunslinger who um, gets a, I would say a deserved bad rap in that he's inex inexcusably squishy for how expensive he is. He's like the only cost eight model with seven hit points that I can think of that isn't stacked with defensive rules. Like I think Nyx yeah. is in that situation and Nyx is incorporeal healing on every failed flip and immune to severe damage, whereas the Convict Gunslinger has bulletproof, which... <laughs> <laughs> One of the worst defensive things in the game. Yes. Thankfully, how squish you are doesn't matter if you don't get attacked, and the Convict Gunslinger is uh, not drawing too much attention inherently, and has a few good things that make me sort of hire him in spite of that serious deficiency in resilience. Like, he's got Chain Gang, which it's good for getting mad dog out of combat always always yeah. useful and also just a really flexible uh, action to have um sometimes you just need to be able to move a model another three inches to be able to score yeah i i will say before you get into the rest of the gunslinger chain gang and effects like that are super good especially in like guard the stash and some of these new new strats and schemes where you need to be in a specific distance to an area yeah yeah it's good good response if your opponent has ways of moving your models into awkward positions you've it's nice to have like an admin model that has a way to move you out um move, move you back to the spot that you were meant to be in yep so whether you hire the convict gunslinger or the midnight stalker or if the pool demands um something like some more specific tech whatever you go for the main through line is that the crew has a lot of actions and that's how how they convert into points there's a there's a lot of value in this crew that relies on them operating in roughly the same area it's not a strict bubble crew there's no auras that requires a model models to always be within six inches of one another except i guess the healing on the emissary even pearl's uh reformed aura is more flexible than um just be within six inches of pearl because it's the marker yeah. that has to be within six inches of pearl and then if you want the healing you just have to be within three down. inches of the marker yeah but you have to be in the same area code at least right yes exactly but so so there's often a point in the game where you have to recognize at uh, what point do i need to start um picking up markers with life of crime and speeding off towards wherever i need to be to actually lock the points in so that's why I was cautioning before to say that the Benny um, Big Rat Summon isn't the core of how this crew works. It's a, ve it's a very good thing that the core does, the crew does, but it's um, sometimes Benny just never gets a good Rat Summon off and still makes back his points because he's a fast, reasonably tanky model who just goes where he needs to be to score points. If it, it, it's a crew that's good, um, oh, and there is there is one other thing that I need to highlight, which is um, we if we cycle back to Parker Two's card, mm -hmm. which we have largely ignored except for Petition <laughs> up until this point, 
the action that I criminally undervalued when I first read Broken it Man's is Lasso. the Broken Man's Lasso. It's good. Which is a 10-inch projectile attack. It ignores friendly fire. It stats 6 against movement, and it has drop it built in as a trigger, which is just good for getting, a, uh, what do you call it, a perdition pulse on Parker's activation. But uh, sometimes... If you're in a mood, you can just broken man lasso the same target three times in order to get three scheme markers piled up on top of them for a big rat summon with Benny. But <laughs> nice. The really valuable part about this is it's an action with no target number and it pushes the target four inches in any direction. And so it's a no target number required four inch move on a friendly model. And because it's a projectile attack, Parker can run and gun and do it, which means for a single action, Parker can move himself five inches and a friend four inches, and he doesn't need like he 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 can black joker that flip and it works. Just it, it's hundred percent reliable and just uh, something you always have to have in the back of your mind. If something's just out of reach, Parker can get you there. So you've so you've got ways to move your own models. Um, between that and the emissary and the gunslinger if you've hired him you've got the fact that most of your important models can be fast on demand and you've got run and gun just across the crew giving you the 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 nice additional bonus of always being able to continue to contribute a little bit to the attrition even when you're just moving into position to score it, it all combines into a crew that just it i always feel like i have a way to get a point get points on the board it, it sort of doesn't matter what the what the board state is there's lots of ways to manipulate that board state and change it sometimes using broken man's lasso on enemy models just to get them out of the way uh sometimes using only friendly models to speed them up and uh yeah that that's the big reason why i feel I can play Parker 2 into virtually any kind of pool. Yeah, I think the looking at the pools, especially the new strategies, the only one I think I would have a little hesitancy sometimes would probably be um, Cursed Objects. I don't know if you feel the same there or not. Sort of. Um, So Cursed Objects, I think, is interesting because... There's a couple of, but there's an alternative way to play it. I think you can hire a big brawly crew and just go at it in the middle of the board with the opposing big brawly crew, or you can try and play it as like a denial strategy. And I think it's there that run and gun lives up to its name because uh, this crew or bandit generally could play a game of um, just constantly backing up and shooting the target, and uh, then just sort of diving in to grab a strap marker once or twice during the game while largely trying to avoid the fight and broken man's lasso again sort of shines in that sort of scenario because you push a target four inches and then you give the target staggered which on a like a big melee beater is almost costing them two actions just to get back to where they were yeah it's um it becomes very uh just punishing in terms of the tempo of the game and it i would i would say that yes uh g- generally speaking i would agree that the curse there's probably better outcast crews for for something like <laughs> cursed objects but 50 percent, i think of these schemes in this um this pool are scheme marker based schemes 
That seems like a lot, especially when Parker, that's his shtick. Yes. And uh, I, I, so I should note, I am including load them up in that, which it strictly isn't a scheme marker-based uh, scheme, but this version of Parker can put out enough scheme markers to make scoring it viable. So yeah. <laughs> particularly because it doesn't matter if they're friendly or enemy scheme markers for that one. Yeah, and I saw a lot of the new just schemes and I saw the ones that they decided to keep and I saw the strategies and I think a lot of the pools whether you like Parker 1 or 2 I personally I'm kind of more on your camp where I think I like Parker 2 a lot better just because I think it's more interesting um, especially with some of the auras that I'm definitely interested in adding him to my outcast rotation especially since the box comes out this month hopefully yeah I'm so excited for that yeah, so uh, so I think there's this, there's a cursed object a cursed objects pool where I would play this crew because if there's if there's three or four scheme marker based schemes, not only is Parker very good at scoring them, he's also very good at denying them. Um, oh yeah, because he can scoop them up. Uh, yes, he he turns enemy scheme those enemy scheme markers become friendly. Benny turns them into rats. Mad Dog converts them into fast. Um, You've got so many ways of removing them and getting your own scheme markers down just sort of passively by executing on what you want to be doing anyway. Uh, it just becomes very efficient to score where a brawly bubble crew might in that sort of um, pool would be having to spend often quite expensive actions just interacting in order to get points on the field. Yeah, so you're really looking at Dead Man Walking it doesn't sound like you're doing a lot of actions with your Ashen Rifle. So the Ashen Rifle has its place. I do probably use it or try to get at least one clutch hit out of it, maybe once every game, maybe maybe a little less frequently than that. But it's good. It's a good threat. Sometimes you're just going... Sometimes Parker's, you know, moving into position to score something and so he takes a run and gun and he just takes a pot shot with the ash and rifle just to see what happens Gen generally speaking the problem with it is it kind you kind of need two severes in hand to get the payoff you need to have yeah. be able to make sure the attack hits and you need to have a severe to cheat for the six damage for it to be really impactful sometimes you also have to stone for the uh trigger sometimes you can get away with just focusing for that same effect but the, the net effect is Staff 5 with a positive is good at winning initial duels, but it really does struggle once you need to, uh, you're, you and your opponent are cheating back and forth over it. Yeah, so, it, so it, it's quite a high car, cost burden in terms of cards. I feel like I would only do that if, like, maybe there was some kind of minion or some kind of squishier model and I had like a high crow in my hand, maybe then I try to take a pop shot at him um, just to try and one-shot him to get the six damage. Yeah, and um, it's worth noting, for particularly for that uh, turn one opening, Parker has a phenomenal threat range. Like uh, the run, a single running gun with his 14-inch range on the Ashen Rifle is 19 inches for one action. Yeah. And so if your opponent has hired a model with six hit points or less that he can just one shot and you turn one you draw two severes into your hand yeah i'll often see if I, there's a way i can like stone for the crow trigger and charge him into a spot where he can quite safely just delete a model out of the opposing crew and then still be 
14 plus inches from any retaliation. Yeah, yeah, definitely seems good. Yeah, the the, the inverse of it is he has a very... Um, so that's him being very card intensive. He has a very low resource requirement um, way of playing as well, because if you are just sort of going for broken man lassos, if you're targeting friendly models, zero card burden. It just works. If you are trying for perdition, if you can land your stat 7 willpower um, stare down with like which is already like a notoriously low impact bonus action right so very few people yeah. want to cheat into stare down to make that yeah because because they're like okay i mean i guess yeah that's, yeah that's fine <laughs> remind me what that does again oh <laughs> <laughs> oh i, I just drop I, a speed i guess you have that but because the trigger is built in on the broken man's lasso if you just need to um get a signal good petition pulse out or if you're setting up for benny you can just if you, all you need to do is hit the stat seven stare down and then you can just hit that target repeatedly with a broken man's lasso and not care if the attack succeeds or fails so yeah you sometimes have activations with him where it doesn't matter what the state of your hand is in you can just make him work sometimes and sometimes it's really valuable getting the hit with that broken man's lasso because it's worth noting it how it works in conjunction with the rest of this core it's a four because it's a four inch push that staggers a target there's lots of cascading little synergies that aren't necessarily immediately apparent for example benny's uh, swarm them bonus action targets move so if you yep. stagger the target now benny's usually a stat six versus a move three model and his swarm them just becomes super easy to make work there's also the fact that a four inch push makes it quite easy to clump enemy mo enemy models which means that your perdition pulses will be able to tag multiple models and start chipping down the uh, like a full clump at once and mad dog with that aoe effect on every single yep. part of his damage track <laughs> can just go to town so yeah you start pushing models together and then you're dumping like five three damage into models yeah yeah I, i've i've had games where i've put the um memento upgrade from the emissary on mad dog so that you can chain activate into him nice and then had parker push models into a clump and then mad dog proceeded to remove three models off the table in his activation because they were just all in that one they were all being hit by the blasts so yeah it's it's just got it just pays dividends in um it, it's very unusual for a master i think to have an action that like this because it just feels like it cascades throughout the rest of the turn like when you do it initially you might get the petition pulse and then you get the benefit from mad dog then being able to blast onto the enemy models and then you get the healing off of the the free scheme marker that you got when that scheme marker gets removed thanks to uh pearl's reformed ability giving you turn, turning that into healing and maybe it was removed because it turned into a rat and then that rat um you, you know you, you get value out of that rat when swarm them goes off and then when the rat dies and you get the card draw and then the petition happens again it all it just it just keeps um paying off the 
more and more the longer time goes on in um, a really interesting way. Yeah, I feel like this, because I've been playing Zip 2, and I feel like Parker has the payoff that Zip 2 is kind of lacking, um, because Zip 2 also has a lot of movement, and he draws cards, and he has some sword damage that really doesn't do a ton. His Fire of the Cannons is okay, but you can only do that once per activate, or once per turn. I, I was happy to see that Parker has a little more payoff. It just seems like he's kind of the setup and then the crew can really take advantage of his setup. Yes. Um, like it, it's nice that he has the Ashen Rifle, so in a pinch he can just kill something. But a lot of the time you are... Um, like a, a lot of the time he does his damage by just existing because when yeah. you're consistently getting off Perdition, it is startling how quickly that deletes opposing crews. If a, your opponent's trying to fight you in a bubble and every activation you are doing unresisted point of damage to three models, then Parker, like if you're attributing that damage to Parker, it is shocking how high impact he suddenly starts to um, appear to be. If Because, you know, your three activations of the turn and Parker's done nine damage without having to flip a card. <laughs> it's... And I definitely, like, I see the high end of that. And then I'm also wondering how many times have you played Dead Man Walking where all of a sudden somebody brings, like, a Metallurgist or somebody brings, you know, something that's going to mitigate where it's like, oh, your shockwaves don't, or your pulse doesn't do anything. Well, there's a lot of effects like that. And uh, the Metallurgist had... Uh, uh, for one, has the um, the honor of having a stat line that makes him very susceptible to Parker's gun just to yeah. take him off the table. Let me just go <laughs> and shoot that first. Yeah, and um, and then there's the broken man's lasso again, just continuing to be the saving grace. Because if your opponent's relying on aura effects to keep them in the game, you've got this incredible ability to just pull their models apart instead of having instead of pushing them together. And uh, so you, you could just broken man's lasso to just chuck like a metallurgist esque model away four inches and then go ahead and start pulsing out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he, that that action alone it just gives so much life to the on the table play. Like w when you've dedicated so much of your crew, like locked in. Like I never deviate from these. 35 stones worth of core models in Mad Dog, Pearl, Emissary, Benny. And that playing that one almost set crew composition game after game feels like it should be get boring. It, at, but uh, I don't know. The, There's a lot of nuance to it. There is a lot of nuance to it. There's a lot, and it's the flexibility. It's the ability to just continue to um, come into new game situations and just figure out which of your um, many tools, admittedly the Broken Man's Lasso is the, probably the biggest tool, but, <laughs> yeah. but you've got so many different options. So. I know a model, or I guess a crew, that a lot of people have been having problems with are crews like Karai 2 a lot of people have been having issues with. And I'm just like, I think Dead Man Walking does a pretty good job of taking care of a lot of that extra nonsense that that crew does. The uninteractive aspect of Petition, the fact that it just works regardless, um, it's 
it's really strong, honestly. It, it's so deceptive yeah. into once once you're able to make it reliable, and that was which which was the challenge in building this crew. But once you are able to make it uh, consistent and reliable, and something that you're just getting turn on turn, it's it really adds up. So, are there any like bad matchups or weaknesses that you've kind of found with Parker Two, where you're just like, yeah, I've run into this, and it's just it, it's tough fighting out of that. Don't think I've lost a Parker Two game yet, so I probably no. I don't think I can think of anything. I like I, I played him exclusively. Like when I first put this crew composition together, I decided that I really wanted to stress test it, and um, so I took it into a I think it was the April Vassal event, and told myself I regardless of what my opponent picked or regardless of what the pool was i was only going to be yep. playing parker 2 just to see what what he could handle and i placed third in that event without having lost a game so yeah there's not there's not much <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> well because the the world where i kind of like oh i mean people can remove your schemes but you get benefits when people remove schemes and then it's like okay well you know you could somebody that does damn it i think the only thing that maybe this crew is susceptible to is like you were saying that burst damage where they just blow up a model and you're like oh crap yeah exactly um that that is the the only thing that the crew's worried about and is dead man walking himself easier to kill because he does only have 12 as opposed to 14 uh he did pick up hard to kill so okay his willpower going from six to five has occasionally been more relevant but no he's still He's a annoying to to remove. I've I've seen him die early, but he's it's not um, easy. It's like he gets kidnapped into the opposing in the middle of the opposing crew, and then he dies early turn three after an entire turn <laughs> of just everyone wailing on him. Seamus two just invites you into the alley and just backstabs you. Well, Yanlo two is the case I was more thinking of, but oh, sure. Yanlo <laughs> hey, two, I just it's so annoying. Yeah, on the plus side, this Parker, super good at killing Kamino. Well, you know, good. He <laughs> ignores hard to kill, and then, uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, like if, if for whatever reason they're sitting on one hit point, then um, you can, you know, you stare down on them, and uh, then you just broke a man's lasso in their direction, and you don't care if they how high their move seven with a positive to resist goes, because you can flip a one and they still die. <laughs> yeah, and I think that anybody who hasn't played against Yanlo 2, like the Kamainu that always come with Yanlo 2 because that's the best model to attach him to, it's just, you gotta have a way to deal with that because they're so annoying. And he gives you one. Yeah. And um, arguably the rest of the crew is not terribly bad at uh, taking care of them either because Mad Dog um, doesn't love the hard-to-kill aspect of them, but at least he ignores the armor too. Yeah, and I think, look, well, and see, that's kind of the crazy thing, right? Because, I mean, you get them down to their hard-to-kill, and then if you can find a way to get a scheme marker out, then it's like, okay, now I ping you to death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so definitely cool to finish off those annoying pesky models. Yeah, and that's a principle that just sort of applies blanket across this crew like you, you, there's so many situations where you can get your opponent down to that one hit point and then kill them by interacting or mm. something like particularly um particularly funny because the uh 
I, I, I always love the pretty floral bonnet upgrade. Both oh, yeah. the, the mental image it creates is immediately perfect. And the uh, I mean, and you gotta love Firefly, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but and it gives you the option to interact in melee for a damage unresisted on everything nearby. <laughs> That's true. There are probably lots of situations where you could just, at that point, just walk up and just be like, cool, drop scheme, you're dead. Yep. Yep, it happens. <laughs> which which doesn't always feel good. I actually had that situation pop up with Yannick, where I did uh, whatever her, it's like Democratic Elections or whatever her action is. And I was like, cool, we'll do two damage over there and I'll heal two points over here and yeah, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, un unresisted damage is very powerful playing a lot of hamlin with um pustulant tumors certainly taught me that and yeah. um parker's is yeah uh, just pretty dang good yeah so i mean looking at gg3 are you pretty excited to play a lot of parker uh dead man's walking then or are you kind of also now thinking of parker one or are you just purely parker two i think it's probably mostly going to be parker two um i might toy around with parker one on cursed objects depending on how i'm feeling there's a okay. there's ways to build parker one which center heavily on like barbaros and maybe like an outer keyword marlena webster that lets you create a brick that's just quite hard to crack like almost all the models except for Marlena and the Hodgepodge Emissary end up being Soulstone users. And then Parker um, just tries to create as many Soulstones as possible so that you can just be stoning damage constantly while Marlena splits what, where the damage is and that sort, yep. of, sort of approach. But I think these days I just, I just really enjoy the way Parker 2 plays. It's... I think it's just more interesting, honestly. Yeah, yeah. That 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 approach I'm describing with Parker One is very. I'm just going to mash my uh, brick into your brick until, and we'll see which one cracks. Which, I mean, honestly, though, Liam, that that makes Parker a key word. Where I actually, whenever I talk to new players, I always recommend Bandit if they're interested in Outcasts and Cowboys and stuff, um, because I feel like Parker One is super super easy to kind of get like he's just running around shooting stuff you'll get the schemes and stuff down later um it it introduces a lot of basic aspects of the game and now we have dead man walking where it's like cool now that you have you know kind of this base parker down if you want something a little more challenging and interesting you know challenge yourself this way just be prepared to purchase basically the entire uh play keyword in order to run it. yeah right i mean I don't, I don't know how many times have you slapped down a rat catcher with uh dead man walking uh it happens so it is. Th there's <laughs> believe it or not well so you have your turn one right where in where you sure. can actually play benny much more like he's traditionally played in hamlin and i don't always do i don't always do this and there's a lot of um variation I, again, it's the, the flexibility that I continue to rave about with this crew. Um, because sometimes you want Benny to just be fast and walk three times just to get up the table really quickly, uh, turn one. Sure. Sometimes um, it's a situation where you might have, say, two scheme markers. You, you want to set up so that you have two scheme markers spare. 
so that Benny can make two rats, because then those two rats can just sit at the back of the table for the entire game, doing the just a rat trick to delete pass tokens and guarantee you activation control turn after turn. Um, mm. And sometimes you uh, you're in a situation where you can afford to actually uh, knuckle down and drop five, four or five scheme markers for Benny, so that on turn two you have ideally four or five rats in play. Um, because that lets you make a rat king with the first four and a summon three more rats that turn with Benny to make a second rat king with the um with the the one rat that carried over from turn one that is now sure. able to activate. Once you're in that sort of um, position, you know, it, it happens that like you'll do some fighting with your rat kings, the rat king will get low on health, you'll activate it to turn into a rat capture. And um, sometimes you also just want to turn those rat kings immediately, or at least one of them immediately into a rat uh, catcher, so that once the brawling starts and Benny starts to accumulate this big pile of rats, it's really useful to occasionally have a rat catcher spawn in and be able to move them out of the way with rotting odor, because no. otherwise you can sometimes trip over your own rats pretty badly. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, by no means an every game thing, but I've, I've certainly put rat catchers on the table semi frequently with uh, with this crew. Which is good though. See, because I'm kind of I like the plague keyword. I don't like I I don't think I like the to me. I play it too clunky to enjoy playing Hamlin one. Hamlin 2, I can kind of get behind because it's just obeying stuff and you're only bringing probably a couple of your keyword models anyways. So that I can kind of get a little bit more behind because I've done Hamlin 1 where I'm setting up the rat engine, I get a rat king turn 1, and then it gets blown up and I'm like, oh, that's like 10 APs that I wasted to get that set up and now it's just dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you care a bit, fair bit less in this sort of um, situation, but also, yeah. Well, for one, you're like I. I find that um, rats on the table are often more valuable than a rat king in this version of the crew. Yeah, there's a few reasons for that. One is that AOEs are probably a bit less likely to see if you've declared Parker than if you've declared Hamlin. If you've declared Hamlin, your opponent's usually like, okay, I'm going to need some sort of wave flare. Yeah. But Parker, it's a bit more ambiguous about what you might be presenting. Even if... Uh, it, it's, so it's probably why I will continue to have Parker 1 floating around occasionally, because otherwise my local meta is going to see Parker 2 get declared and go, right, need to pack in the shockwaves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Sonya down. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, I think that this version of the crew is more resilient than Hamlin into that sort of tech, yeah. because you just don't need the um the rat engine to the same degree that hamlin like needs and i think you're a little more spread out too yes the big thing is um because again you're summoning the rats where they're needed already um they're already yeah. like up the table in the opponent's face the fact that the opponent may not have the aoes to clear them means that the rats are obnoxious obstacles um sometimes for you as well if you don't have a rat catcher but because they're physically models on the table that your opponent has to like negotiate their way around, they become problematic on that front. And the the rats themselves kind of become terrors. I've killed masters with rats in this version of uh, 
Parker because my opponent didn't have AoEs in order to clear the rats on mass, couldn't spare the actions to, you know, mat like manually kill the rats one at a time. And as a result, um, I end up in a situation where five rats were standing like five unactivated rats were near their master and just sort of took an activation at a time, attacking them, all of them at stat seven, min two, uh, <laughs> ten, like 10 attacks, because there's five of them. I think I think I only managed to fit four into base contact with them. But <laughs> a lot. It actually seriously... Well, and at that point, you're just... Those are throwaway actions, right? Because you're like, okay, I'm just going to take a swing on you and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've, I've got my important models waiting to see what my opponent does. Uh, they can get activation control by killing killing the rats, certainly. But then, but the state of the game gets into a position where, like, this is something happening, uh, like on turn four, where your opponent's really under the pump to score points. And, yeah, resources are down. Yeah, and, and if they're ta spending actions on attrition and they're spending them on rats then i mean that's still a win for you because as mentioned when the rat dies benny's nearby becomes a scheme marker you draw cards they take damage eventually that scheme marker gets picked up and becomes healing it's not there's not really an easy solution to the problems that a pack of rats present in um those sort of late game scenarios yeah, and that's kind of the thing is you you can walk away from these Malifaux rats, but you still can't go through them. So you can really use them to block off an area. Yep. Once you got a rat on every side of the opponent, it's um they're in they're in trouble. And yeah, I ha I haven't yet managed to get my rats to be min three. Um, that requires <laughs> seven rats to be in the one area, and I yeah, that's, that's a I'm lot. determined to make it happen at some point. But I'm, well, you gotta have goals, Liam, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it so um i i find that i like in hamlin one i take every opportunity to combine my rat anytime i have the chance to make a rat king i take it um hamlin does a lot more with the rat kings uh to make that worthwhile he's the, the rat kings usually getting fast from from the stolen True. that sort of thing and more importantly, it's much easier to walk a rat king up the table than it is to walk the four rats one at a time into position. Yeah. Whereas, um, because here, you're, like you said, they're they're already there. They're already they're there. Yeah. Supposed to be exactly. Um, so it it feels very much more efficient to have the rats stay as rats in this version. Plus, that way they're four individual vermin, which means they have potentially four more perdition pulses if you're a four card drawer and four more scheme markers that then become four more healing <laughs> rather than the, the one that the Rat King represents in those scenarios. So that's my thesis there on why you make fewer Rat Kings in Parker 2. Yeah, I do. And like I was saying, I, I do like the vermin and play keywords. So, and I, I, I've always been interested in Bandit, just not Parker 1, just because I'm like, okay, you're running and shooting, that's fine. Uh, Parker 2, really take, because I think for a long time, Benny just felt really random being Bandit. So I think they did a really good job of actually take, I don't know if they intentionally did this or not, but it works beautifully with just fitting what Parker 2 wants to do. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was intentional, but for, for, for reference, my... um. 
the saved version of this crew that I have in the, my uh, my app is entitled "Wait, Benny is a Bandit." <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, surprisingly enough. Yeah, it, it, which I always I always knew that I just didn't understand why I was like, OK, I guess he can get fast. I mean, that makes him a bandit, I guess. I mean, honestly, it was a funny moment for me to realize that, like, because my original disappointment with this version of Parker was rooted in the fact that Perdition was seemingly non-functional with his keyword. I assumed that once I had a way to make him work, that it would largely involve, you know, add a keyword picks in the end because benny is indeed a bandit the crew that i've created is almost entirely in keyword it's just the the one versatile model in the emissary that is consistently present as a non-keyword model occasionally whatever other model i hired for to fill out the, the that last slot in the crew but probably more often than not that last model is another bandit model yeah, what do you, I was going to ask you, because I kind of like the Woku Raiders, but I don't know if you ever like bringing them. I do like them. I tend to prefer the Gunslinger, not on its own merits. I think the Woku Raider is a better model. The Gunslinger is makes the other models in the crew better. I, I, I think that, conf, that, that Chain Gang is just very useful because... Like we were saying, everyone um, who's played into uh, Mad Dog before has got some idea of how to shut down Mad Dog, and yeah. the Gunslinger is just a very useful tool for um, undoing that work. Yeah, just another option. Yeah, and his personal mobility is sort of on par, sort of a little bit better. It depends how much ever-changing wins you're able to um, get off, but... Uh, I would say he's more reliably more mobile. The fact that he can get himself out of melee without having to take a disengage action and uh, just just makes him a um, more useful uh, as in you know scheme running roles. Though that said, he's pretty lucky if he got into melee and then didn't die. <laughs> and talk about another model that I just never see that I'm just curious if you bring in bandit is do you ever find a spot for these dead outlaws no no not in dead <laughs> so there's really there's two models in all of the uh bandit that don't have life of crime three actually the dead outlaw itself um but the since the main functionality of the dead outlaw to my view is its covetous cravings you don't really bring one to use covetous cravings on yourself to get fast that would be weird so yeah <laughs> I guess the Bayou's... Okay, there's actually a lot of models that don't have Life of Crime, but there's very few models oh, yeah. that... <laughs> I forgot about the Smuggler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's very few models that don't have Life of Crime that you would want to give fast to. The The main contenders are the Emissary... Like, the, there's the HodgePodge Emissary. That, that can use it. Pearl doesn't have Life of Crime, but honestly, she, she only has a stat 5 min 2 attack. She's not really screaming for it yeah the only other model that seriously benefits from it is sue and um i i mentioned my feelings on sue in the outcast podcast but uh for a quick recap i tend to think that the stat five with a built-in positive profile um incentivizes making more attacks rather than making good attacks 
Yeah. Uh, so Sue being a min three, but stat five at a positive, um, means that he will usually win his initial duel, but then loot. But then your opponent gets more of a benefit cheating defensively against him than they do against the convict gunslinger. And once you've hired a dead outlaw to make Sue fast, so that he gets approximately the same number of attacks as the gunslinger, you could almost have hired a second gunslinger. <laughs> yeah, it's 14 stones yeah. just to make one thing work. Yeah. Um, so I don't have room in this with this core for the full dead outlaw plus Sue package. Technically, I do. You'd have one stone left over. I don't recommend that. This crew wants a big cache. Like seven stones is about the minimum i feel comfortable with but the uh and, but without suit there's not really um much fun reason to to bring in the dead outlaw i have hired sue like added sue on top of this this sort of core functionality and it's fine i he he's notable because he if he does get a kill, he also has fistful of script, so he's another way of dropping a scheme marker that doesn't rely on the drop it trigger. You know, there's there's, there's value in that, and he's, <laughs> there's a spot there. Yeah, like like there's there's reasons to hire him, and I've hired him in spite of me thinking that he's a poor fit for the way Bandit works. Like I I think his profile is just sort of inherently a little bit disadvantageous for for their approach, but. Yeah, you know, he works. He's fine. All right, what about these gunslinging banditos? Uh, yes, the banditos, no. <laughs> they just seem like they die pretty easy. That's fundamentally their issue. Hilariously, like, this, this is almost what makes the Perdition Aura on Parker 2 even more insufferable with it not working with Drop It. They've got the exact same problem. They've got this uh, act ability on their front of card called Trigger Finger, where... They can take a projectile attack uh, targeting an enemy model after that model drops a scheme marker. So it's designed to work with drop it because the enemy model is the one that drops the scheme marker. But because it's an aura, mm -hmm. they only ever see it when it's them declaring the drop it trigger, which makes the trigger finger, finger um, considerably less reliable because we are talking stat 5 with a trigger that isn't built in. So it's annoying that they exist and have existed since the third, start of third edition, and that problem hasn't seemingly been picked up, and they replicated the issue again with Parker Two. I, You're like, you frustrate me, weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I. They must not play Parker a lot in the office. Or like, it's kind of easy to assume that these abilities do work. It it requires like. <laughs> you know, actually playing against people who are aware that two thirty mil like two thirty millimeter bases can have line of sight be blocked between them by another thirty millimeter base and are willing yeah. to use the rule of intent to say, I'm gonna place this marker in Where the like one it. one position that is possible to to not see it in that can't even be perceived with the naked eye sort of <laughs> levels yeah, right. of levels of precision. So I, I get why it hasn't been picked up and why it's entirely... Or I, there's a chance that I'm wrong and it has been picked up and this is all designed as intended. And I've just happened to stumble across like the, the, the way that Parker 2 was meant to be played. But boy, you look at Stare Down. 
specifically on Parker's card as this way of like seemingly turning on drop it synergies that don't exist. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's pretty baffling as a as an action if if this is. But that, that's okay. That's that's why you bring uh, Benny to turn those into rats at least. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 good fun. Well, cool. So, I mean, is there anything else you want to share with uh, Dead Man Walking or Parker in general that you just, I mean, he sounds like you've been having a lot of fun just with the crew once it kind of, once this idea clicked in your mind. I will, would just say uh, that, like, Parker, on his abandonal hope, his ability to turn, take an enemy ski mark away and turn it into a friendly one, there's a lot of times where Parker going late in a turn just passively ruins a scheme for someone. Well, yeah, they, they brought uh, they brought leave your mark back. Yes, so exactly. That. So exactly exactly that. An opponent trying to score leave your mark gives you leave your mark. I've, I was playing in the so I think this is this month's uh, event used the all packets so or a combination of GG zero one and two schemes for the first couple of rounds, and I noticed playing both practice games and playing. The, the first round that opponents that there's a real temptation because uh, they had power ritual for, from the gg zero um, packet sure. which um requires you to have for the end point uh scheme marker in three different table corners so a lot of people either bluff it or they intentionally set like, it up it, early set it set up early by dropping a uh, scheme marker in their deployment zone uh table corner right off the bat and uh, Parker sees that and goes, cool, I just need to get within 10 inches of that at some point in the game to set up my own endpoint of power ritual. So scheme, schemes like that. And, and this this pack has a couple, like the existence of both sabotage and secret meetup means that, well, I mean, sabotage is actually just straight up another good example of that because it could be. Yeah, high, I, high actually, I was actually going to share that with. Uh, I actually brought sabotage last night, and I did set it up early because I was the only thing like in that quarter, and Parker could just be like, "Poop, nope." Yeah, yeah. Or just the fact that the denial aspect of it um, incentivizes people dropping a scheme marker, and then you can use that scheme marker to become what do you call it? A friendly scheme marker to help you score the yep. end point. It's, there's a lot of just fun plays along the, that line. And uh, well, I mean, like you said, I think what 50% of the schemes have to deal with scheme markers or at least a marker in some kind. So there's going to be a lot of enemy scheme markers in a lot of these pools as well. Yeah. I think it was six from memory. Uh, I, I can't remember if, uh, let's see, breakthrough, leave your mark, sabotage, spread them out, load them up, arguably. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, set the trap and the end point of secret meetup. So that's what, six and a bit out of, yeah, basically exactly 50% of your points are coming off scheme markers in this pool. So yeah, it's going to be very unusual for there to not be a pool where Parker has something that he can work on uh, on the scheme marker front and some pools there's going to be quite a lot of pressure on your opponent to have to play with scheme markers which eh, 
And sometimes you get into a position where um, Parker's able to like stand on a crate or on a hill or something, so there's no safe spot from his position or anymore, and your opponent <laughs> becomes very sad anytime they have to interact to drop a scheme marker. Yeah, that that can definitely definitely feel bad, and that's that's kind of one of the interesting things that I think when you play against Parker is you do have to kind of be like, I I won't say that you can't do something that requires scheme markers, but you definitely have to be way more cautious about it. Yeah, it's a struggle. There's, there's so many ways to remove your opponent's markers for value that, yeah, it, it's, it can be pretty punishing if you, if you time it wrong in particular. Don't, don't do it until Benny's activated. That can go very badly. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm kind of uh, setting up this, uh, yeah, and uh, all of a sudden your schemes are gone. They're rats. They're rats now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely excited to, I put it on the table once. I don't think, I don't think I ran it well because I think my problem is I put Mad Dog kind of up first and obviously he gets bogged down and then bad things happen. So, um I don't know. When you're playing this, do you kind of just put Parker in the forefront and you're just kind of like, yeah, Parker is pretty durable and I'm going to set up, you know, all my stuff? Well, would it surprise you to say, would it surprise you to hear me say that I can be very flexible about how I, uh... <laughs> I can put Benny up there. Oh, or... <laughs> no, 100%. Benny is an amazing lead because, again, when people go into him, he um, uh, spawns rats. And so suddenly, like, start of next turn, Benny's able to just punch back real hard because he's suddenly surrounded by all these little rats uh you gotta be a little bit careful because he is relying almost entirely on soul stones to live through that initial punch but the it, it when it works it's it's phenomenal the yeah because even taking damage he pukes out rats yeah exactly <laughs> it, it's it's very fun when he gets hit for it's very annoying actually when he gets hit for three damage and he stones and flips a severe because you really just want that moderate. So he you really just want to take that one yeah, point. One yeah. point. So, some some models like uh, oh, Black Blood's hilarious on him because every time he takes Black Blood damage. Yeah, it, it does. It doesn't say like action or it doesn't say trigger. It's just any time he takes damage from an enemy. Yes, from an enemy model. That's the important part. But to answer your question in terms of like opening gambits. I, I sometimes will lead with Mad Dog because um, if the next activation can be Parker Barrows, then just lasso him back into your own lines. It's um, your opponent can like might have overextended a model to try and capitalize on Mad Dog being that far forward, and now they're the one who's exposed. Whereas Mad Dog's back in your healing bubble and doesn't really have anything to worry about anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. There's just a lot of intricacies to learn with the crew, and it it's probably the hardest part about about playing it for example we've basically not mentioned the um the totem yet which is fair a lot of the time uh, <laughs> old doc mitchell i love doc mitchell mitchell he's one of my i think he's got one of my favorite um pieces of storytelling through mechanics in the game in terms of how his hidden flintlock works if he ever fires his gun he has to ditch a card or else parker spots him and then executes him on the spot <laughs> but <laughs> So, so, and a lot of the lot of the time, all Dot Mitchell does all game is sit in a back corner somewhere and be uh, like exists as an arcane reservoir, so you have a seven card hand. But he is worth noting that he is yet another model that has a way of dropping a scheme marker 
that is not the drop it trigger because when he fires his hidden flintlock if he does not discard the card in addition to just immediately being killed on the spot he also drops a scheme markup and base contact with himself i mean so i guess what in a I don't know. Is there ever a situation where you're just like, yeah, I need that to happen? Uh, yes. So one was the dig their grave scheme um, where you need to have, again, this was in the all packets, a GG zero scheme, I think where the end point requires you to have um, scheme markers within one inch of course markers. So doc, does, uh, okay. doc fully sets that up for you. Cause he's, he dies, so he creates a corpse marker and drops a scheme marker next to it. It's very efficient. <laughs> and I've also 100% killed an enemy model before by having Doc Mitchell walk up to it, fire his flintlock at it, miss, die, drop a scheme marker, petition goes off, killed the model anyway. That's fair, especially if it's a, you know, a more important model that's definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not very hard to be a more important model. I mean, so you say that, but I, I do, I think Arcane Reservoir, Reservoir, why can I not, Reservoir? Arcane mm. Reservoir, yeah. <laughs> there we go. So, you know, it's it's a little French, that's fine. But it's, that seventh card's always nice, so it's kind of hard to be like, oh yeah, just throw Doc Mitchell away when it's like, oh, but I like cards. Oh, agreed. Um, this is this is something that, I think this was turn four or five. Uh, I would say that makes it feel it's, better. It's a diminishing return. The longer you are into the game, the less impactful it is. And, like, there's there's a good, there's an interesting cost-benefit analysis going on with moving Doc Mitchell up, because he's another healer. You don't, you're yeah. not exactly short of that in this crew, but he's got um, emergency surgery. He's got um, bedside manner is randomly just clutch in uh, particularly because this is a crew that worries about getting spiked. Bedside manner can be um, very useful for, you know, removing a model that is in danger of that happening uh, at, from the equation. And... Oh, there's some silly stuff you can do with Bedside Manor as well. Like, you can disengage Mad Dog by charging Doc Mitchell into Mad Dog's back, slapping Mad Dog with frantic flailing to do damage to him, and then ditch a card for Bedside Manor to place Mad Dog on the other side of Doc Mitchell so he's no longer in melee. <laughs> hmm. There's a, like, uh, and uh, there's just a lot of, like, little, little efficiencies that sometimes worth running the risk that dot mitchell dies and i think one of the actions that people don't use a lot in the game is assist is always good with doc mitchell because he gains fast so then you can just do normal stuff and also rats can take assist this crew is oh, very and... very hard to like if you have any a number of and rats, they can slam stuff they can yes this this crew has a surprising amount of utility from just i mean ha hamlin experiences this as well the sheer weight of actions that you can do to take generic actions that aren't worth having a more important model that's, is, that's a really good point is, you could just like assist all the crap off of you yeah you can have rats chew through every piano zip has put on the table uh you could clear burning off like it's nothing yeah it's it's interesting it you got to keep your eye out for it because it's easy to forget in the heat of the moment, but it is, 
it's it's good to learn when when those options are available. I, I would like to uh, I would like to know what a rat assisting putting out a fire on a model looks oh, like. Oh, it's it's always the cutest mental image. I just because I, I could just <laughs> like they're rolling on the fire themselves. I, I, I don't just know. imagine them with like their just their paws just sort of patting at it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it looks very cute in my head. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I'm from New York and I've been to New York City uh, a handful of times and I can tell you the rats there are not cute. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that. I love rats. I don't own any, but I ha know I've got a few friends who, who do. Like, I think people think of like mice and they're like thinking about like the Voltron mice that is like, oh, look, they're cute and they're helping. But it's like, no, they're like terrifying, you know, secrets of Nim rats. Yeah. The Malifaux variant, where they're explicitly as large as a small dog, is probably getting yes. a little worrying. But yeah, that's like New York City, man. So I tell you, some of those rats are like small dogs. I like small dogs. Small dogs are fine. It's just a rat-shaped small dog. Yeah, that try to eat you like, yeah, okay, a, that, like a dog okay, that, would. That is the part at which I do sort of draw the line. But... <laughs> We need to train the rats to be friendly. I think Benny's done a sterling job of that, don't you? Agree? Yeah, he has in this crew for sure. <laughs> All right, Liam. Well, I think we're going to leave it there. That's a lot of good stuff. I think that gives, because something that I'll let you kind of plug here now is you do have, I wouldn't say written instructions, or maybe it's your bandit manifesto. I don't know what you want to call it on the forums. Yeah, so uh, a lot of the content that... Um stuff that i've talked about tonight i have written up in a um just just a just a brief um post it's th this is a lot more extensive and i have had a lot more games since i wrote that but uh yeah i think you gotta go searching a little ways now to find it but there's a yeah i think i, I think i got it pinned i'll add it to the episode info yeah, it's a forum topic called "I was wrong about the dead man walking." <laughs> I'm uh, I'm very honest about the fact that I was not okay, not not down with him when he was first released. But yeah, it, if you want to just read through and or have have something to reference when you're trying to get to grips with the the crew for the first time, that exists. If you're interested, it 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 is also I will note heavier on. Bit, like it has a very heavy emphasis on Benny. Not that we've been light on him in this this chat, but I I probably spent. Um, yeah, that was like right after you kind of discovered it, and you're like, holy crap! Yeah, I, I get very excited anytime I manage to make Benny work somewhere because I just love putting down rats. And <laughs> sorry, I I was I was very happy to have found a second crew that I felt like Benny actually clicked with. And I loved the fact that Benny played in a new, different way with this crew. Yep. So I, I, I got very excited and I talked at length about how um, how Benny operated within the context of the crew. But it's always worth making sure that you remember that the crew isn't just about enabling Benny. It's Benny exists because he can capitalize on what the crew is already doing anyway, not because the crew is explicitly trying to set up for Benny. So let me ask you this, Liam, kind of as a parting blow. If uh, so, in your meta and in Vassal, do you are you starting to notice people are trying to replicate and play Parker Two, or are you still kind of the random man in your meta and Vassal that it's just like you're the you're the dead man walking guy? Uh, no, in my local meta, I have seen. Oh, well, I have had one other person on Vassal ask me to run 
run them through how the crew works and um i've seen them that they played and won with that crew this last week actually but <laughs> uh yeah it, it it word seems to be getting out well you can be happy to know liam that i'm going to put it on the table and get it to work in my own style and uh, pizzazz that I like to run in, in my Malifaux games, yeah. whether that's good or bad. I don't know what it is. Well, cause I, I don't know. I have a weird, I wouldn't say a weird style of play. I have an aggressive style of play. So sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad depending on the master. So we'll see how it goes. I think, I think to a limited, uh, to, to a certain degree of what you mean by aggressive, this crew works very well. Like, like this crew puts pressure, can put pressure on an opposing crew very fast. Just, because of the sheer threat ranges involved. I, I do like the idea of not just a crap ton of brats with Benny, but also just turn one. I like the idea of just deleting a model with, with Parker two, just being like, Hey, look, there's a minion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's always there and on the table. If you, you know, got the severes in hand for it. And some, and if that's um, not quite your speed, you can also have um, bad dog get, pushed like 15 inches up the table before he ever activates by taking a couple of broken man lassos on him, chain ganging him, weary roading him. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think you do lasso three times, but I could definitely see doing it twice to him. To get him. I mean, so you got three, that's six with the chain gang and then the weary road and then dead man walking can move him another. That's 14 so inches. If you use two yeah. lassos on him and yes, <laughs> And then you have run and gun with an eight inch shotgun. Yes. Yes. Which is 13 inches. Not, not, ter not terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> if you, if you really want to throw something in the opposing face, opponent's face very fast, this, this crew can do it. Uh, you just gotta, gotta be a little bit careful about, um, yeah, for sure. The, the clap back part of it. <laughs> All right, Liam. Well, anything else before we roll on out of here you want to share? Uh, no, just thank you for having me. Um, I'm very glad that my very subtle, uh, hint that I wanted to talk about Parker two at length on the, um, back on the outcast episode paid off. <laughs> well, and I think that's, especially since we just got GG three, I think this is the time where it's like, yeah, you want to start exploring new crews and new titles. Um, just because even with zip two, I'm not still sold on zip two. I'm still trying to see where I like him. But he has, I do feel like he has more playability in this, in this gaining grounds than the other one. So I think this was a good opportunity to look at the title. I know people have been, you know, especially in the outcast group, people have been whispering about, oh yeah, Dead Man Walking's a thing for some people. Um, so I think it's good to kind of get that out there and be like, yeah, here's how it actually works. And I, I know that people that love the plague keyword and also love Bandit are going to definitely hop on this because a lot of people love benny yeah yeah it's already got both those crews this is a really interesting way of like blending the two of them together in a way that doesn't really play like either of these crews um have played in the past it's it's very cool i like it a lot yep and kind of as we wrap this thing up one thing i did want to share for everybody is we did have like i said our um, our drawing, we gave away a box, uh, and we actually pulled the name and it was Chris McKenzie ended up winning the box. I already got in contact with him. And apparently, uh, what was the box that Chris was interested in that he, we ended up buying and we're sending to him. I think it's the dreamer title box. He was like, yeah, send me that one. So I was happy to 
get that to them and we're going to do another giveaway once we get to a thousand subs so definitely cool to give stuff back to the community or dreamer twos in the world that's scary yeah I yeah and we did kind of an episode on that so if you're interested in dreamer 2 give that a listen that dude is fast and does a lot of crazy stuff so have fun with that yeah i've never <laughs> seen so many sabias in it all right well with that being said make sure that y'all are flipping cards flipping tables and we'll see y'all next time